0: Watching uh, a move lower in Chinese stocks. I mentioned it earlier, but you got to keep your eyes on what's happening here because Chinese media are reporting a crackdown on education technology by the Chinese government. <laughs>
1: wow, Hi everyone, and welcome back to this next episode of the EdTech Podcast where we aim to improve the dialogue between Ed and Tech for better innovation and impact. This week, we look at what happened to EdTech in China, covering regulations introduced earlier this year, which are changing the way that online tutoring is conducted across China, and looking at what that means for the sector, learners and educators more generally. But before all that, a few EdTech notices. First up, as part of their commitment to support and nurture startups in the edtech and future of workspace, Emerge Education, Europe's leading early stage edtech investor, are launching the Emerge Product Market Fit PMF Academy. Designed for early-stage founders who want to learn how to find product market fit and build their network, the Academy will deliver a programme of interactive seminars and office hours sessions led by a faculty comprising of operators from the world's top edtech companies, including Emeritus, Open Classrooms and Busuu. The programme is completely free. All participants need to do is invest their time and energy. For more details and to register your interest in the programme, go to pmf.academy. Congrats to our friends, the Global Equality Collective, who have hit their fundraising target over at www.cedars.com forward slash Global Equality Collective. And if you haven't already, do go and check out what they're up to and how you can help out their mission. And lady entrepreneurs, listen up. Diane Morgan at Zinc VC is calling the next tech founder to receive a £24,000 stipend with their next venture builder starting on the 1st of November in London. So you can apply for that now. Jobs. There are loads of interesting ed tech jobs flying around that I keep noticing, including tons over at Instinct Jobs, but also specifically two VC associates required with Bright Eye Ventures. Uh, Apolitical are looking for a partnerships engagement manager, among other roles may have heard uh, Nigel, their head of learning, on the podcast in the last episode. And very relevant for the theme of this week's episode, the head of learning at Chatterbox, a great uh, edtech company looking for the head of learning. So um, we'll try and post all those links in our show notes. But now onto this week's episode. To kick off, here's Emily Tate, a senior reporter at EdSurge, talking about what exactly has changed in China and the new rules and regulations that we should know about.
2: So a couple months ago, at the end of July, China rolled out some pretty sweeping new education regulations. Um, And actually, some are still coming out every week, it seems. Um, And among them, uh, is new rules that restrict um, tutoring services and the profits that they generate. So, um, like, online lessons are limited to half an hour. Um, there's a curfew for students in China that take tutoring lessons. Um, weekend tutoring, holiday school break tutoring, all of that is now prohibited. Um, but what really affects the American tutors, which is what I was really interested in, is um, is that uh, China is no longer allowing foreign educators, which would be the Americans in this case, uh, to tutor children in China. The new rules in China do prohibit foreign investment in Chinese uh, private education companies. And I believe that uh, companies that offer private tutoring in core Chinese subjects have to register as nonprofits and will not be allowed to raise investment capital Through IPOs or do any advertising. So yes, that will have a big impact on anyone who, you know, in outside of China who has
1: invested in those companies. Why have the changes been introduced?
2: Um, So this one is tricky. I think the the Chinese government has said um, that they have done it because they recognize that the academic pressure on children in China has become um, so severe that. It, it, you know it's causing mental health problems. Um, kids feel like you know, they have to just do whatever it takes to be the very best and to compete with other children for um, selective college and university spots. Um, and then at the same time, because these industries have cropped up with the tutoring industry, you can pay as much as you're able to have your child take weekend hour uh, tutoring lessons, early morning, late at night, during their uh, school vacations, there was uh, one report I saw that estimated that the average family spends $40,000, the equivalent of $40,000 US dollars, um, on private tutoring and education services for each child. And so I think the Chinese government also recognized that, you know, families aren't having more children because it's so costly to raise a child in that environment. And they have a declining birth rate, and they they have to address that. And so um, that's what the narrative that has come out is. And then um, unofficially, and obviously, I cannot confirm this, but there have definitely been a lot of people, including some of the tutors I've spoken with, speculating that another element is that the US and China are political adversaries, and they're competing to be the biggest economy, the, the world leader. And does it make that much sense to give unfettered access um, of American teachers to young, impressionable children in China in private settings every day?
1: And what has this meant for individual tutors and students going about their business?
2: So it's hard to have like a clear number around how many people this affects, both as in terms of families in China, but also the tutors in North America. Um, but let's say a conservative estimate of 100,000 American tutors were tutoring for one of the dozens of tutoring companies based in China. Now, some of the big names would be VIP Kid, Magic Years, Go Go Kid, Q Kids. Um, and they were doing one-on-one live online lessons from their homes um, with these children in China some of the tutors that I've spoken to um, and and plenty of whom are licensed uh, brick and mortar classroom teachers in the U S that were doing this on the side to to make a little bit more money. Um, And then there are others who had turned it into a full-time job. Um, But in those cases, they basically feel like it happened overnight. I mean, there was some indication that things would be changing, but I don't think really anyone expected it to be this severe and uh, definitely not this abrupt. So a lot of people, um, for one company in particular, GoGo GoGoKid, they, they woke up one weekday to start their classes, which um, in the U.S. would be about 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. is when they start teaching. And they had an email that's from the company saying, that's it, like pack it in. And uh, their classes were gone from that day to every day forward. And it was just over. Um, so on the one hand, there was a, you know the loss of income, which is a huge impact to these tutors. Uh, like I said, some of them use it to um, for, for the classroom teachers I've talked to, they use it to help pay their credit card bills, their utility bills, buy their kids' Christmas and birthday gifts. Um, and then for others, like it is their sole income. It is their job. They transitioned out of an in-person job 40 hours a week to be able to do this and maybe spend more time with their kids or be a digital nomad and travel. Um, but the other part of this that I, I think doesn't get that much attention is that they had real relationships with these kids. They had, um, bonds with the parents and the children, they were in their homes. Yes, it was virtual, but it was intimate. They knew their pets names. They knew when they broke their arm, like you know, they're really part of their life and, and sometimes daily they would see them and meet with them. And so I think just kind of being shut out from those children's lives. And not knowing how to connect with them, how to find them, if they would ever see them again, um, was its own kind of devastation.
1: Nathan Martin at EdTech Public spoke to one of the tutoring companies navigating this new landscape. They've experienced a big uptick in tutors joining their platform since the changes came into place.
0: If we go back to when it, when the regulations first came out, I would I would classify a lot of our community being in freakout mode. Um, having just lost you know a, a sizable portion of their of their income, um, they're pretty freaked out.
1: Chris Yagesia is the CEO of Off to Class.
0: Yeah, off to class is a toolkit for English as a second language teachers. We provide the education infrastructure that teachers need to teach their students. Um, when we started the company, this was back seven years ago. we primarily provided off to class to online ESL teachers. And as we've grown along the way, we've started working with a lot of school districts, Um, we're really proud that today we have about 90 US school districts across the country, using off to class as their education infrastructure, but because of where we came from, we've always been very, very active in the online ESL community. So a lot of teachers that buy off to class directly, they use us on various marketplaces like Preply, Italki, Verbling, and a lot of them have day jobs, quote unquote, working with online ESL schools. So everything from your VIP kids um, to more specialised schools in different regions of the world.
1: The side effects of the regulation have been many and varied.
0: Now, so we're off to class plays on the on the B2C side because we sell our services to the teacher. Um, a lot of teachers have long used off to class to teach independently. Um, so that means taking students online and being a little teacherpreneur and working with your clients directly. So what's kind of happening organically, what I'm seeing in our Facebook group is a lot of, a lot of these teachers are now, if you fast forward four weeks, are actually seeing this as an opportunity. They're seeing it as an opportunity to not necessarily work Work directly with the VIP kids of the world and to start teaching independently. Um, you know, if I if I go back to when we started off to class back in 2014, 2015 with online ESL teachers, um, you know, the burning question of our community was always, where do I find students? Yeah, of course, running my own tutoring business from the comfort of my own, from my home has always seemed really attractive. But for, you know, for 90% of teacherpreneurs that can't crack Facebook ads, that can't build a WordPress site, that can't build a payment gateway, the reality is for most of those teachers, what it meant was working for the VIP kids of the world because they did not have the ability to to attract their own students as paying customers. What we're seeing now is that this um, China crackdown has given a huge impetus to those teachers to take their students independently. And the reason for that is because they had to, they had no other options. They, they were faced with a situation where they were cut off.
2: Um, Another thing is that when uh, the tutoring companies announced that they were either folding or kind of, you know, slowly going to be crumbling. um, And and as I mentioned, like these, these, Chinese families and the uh, tutors in America wondered if they'd ever see each other again. They did go on WeChat and there was this very frantic rush to find each other. And some of them did find each other and they are continuing private tutoring um, effectively underground. It's, um, you know, it's happening and the teachers are setting their own prices. They they're doing it on um, Zoom through virtual private networks they're doing screen sharing, they're making up their own curriculum. Like um, it is happening in small pockets. It's as early as I knew of it. And then just last week, I think um, China put out a new policy or a new announcement saying that uh, there was not allowed to be any online private tutoring happening outside of an official capacity, which I think was probably already known. I think these parents knew that they weren't supposed to be doing it. Um, but I think it's now crystal clear that there are risks associated with, you know, trying to c- continue this in sort of a, uh, I don't know, about maybe a black market style.
0: So from a from a B two B perspective, like from a from an off to class to institution perspective, we've never actually worked with Chinese schools. There's a number of reasons for that. Um, you know, a lot of them center around the Great Firewall, that I'm sure everybody's aware of. Um, when you're trying to run a content business, it's hard to consistently get your content content through the firewall. So for those reasons, we've never worked directly with with online Chinese schools, um, and our B two B focus has largely been been U.S. And, and a couple other key markets like Mexico. Um, so from, from the B2B side, it doesn't adjust our targets in any significant way. On the B2C side, um, on the independent online teacher side, we've actually seen a big surge in demand. So um, that Facebook group I was talking about, it increased um, in membership by about a thousand teachers since the Chinese lockdown. At the same time, our active users on the B2C side have jumped up from 5,000 active users to 7,000 active users. And those are teachers using the platform. Um, so we've seen a big, a big kick in demand for our services. And I think a lot of that has to do with that propensity having to go independent. Because a significant portion of your income was cut off, a lot of these online ESL teachers have had to go independent and have to go quickly. And because we've been owning that space for a while, you know, blogging about it. These are the key things that you need to go online to go independent. Because there's so much kind of residual SEO and kind of blog content on our site, I think we've we've turned up as a natural home for a lot of those teachers that don't know where to go.
1: For some of those companies that you mentioned, so GoGo Kid and VIP Kid and others. Um, Do you sort of expect them now to regroup around and potentially be more present internationally? So, you know, if we can't be for profit in China, we're going to, um, you know, be more expansionist in in other um, markets. So whether that's in India or the uh, European or US markets, how do you see that playing out?
2: So I think that will be interesting to watch. Um, Some of the companies have so... For example, GoGoKid has already shuttered. It, it no longer exists. I don't think that there are plans to revive it. Um, Magic Ears is another big one that kind of said, we've got about six to 12 months left of this. Like enjoy it while you can. And then it's over. Um, probably the biggest uh, China-based online tutoring company is VIPKid. Um, it, it's definitely the m- closest to a household name, I would say. And that is the one that has, you know, attempted to put out pretty definitive um, next steps uh, to tutors, but also to the wider public. And and their message has been that, you know, they're going to let families who purchased bulk tutoring packages go ahead and use those up as long as the government allows, which could be several months, maybe longer, and in the meantime, continue Uh, developing programs that it is already working on outside of China. So um, I know that they've partnered with a company called BookNook to provide reading services to students in the U.S. Um, They're also working on a service for adult learners, um, which would not, I believe, be prohibited in China. And then, yeah, they're talking about um, expanding into other countries, other subjects, other age groups. Um, So we'll see what happens. I mean, again, I can't, uh, I, I haven't gotten much from VIPKID as far as details or timeline or anything like that. But um, some VIPKID tutors are quite skeptical that that's gonna work out and sort of think that VIPKID is um, projecting optimism so that they don't lose teachers in this uh, sort of last leg of their business in China when those parents have paid for packages and they probably don't want to refund their money. You know, I'm just curious, you know, as the sort of space develops in one to two years, um, you know, with with tutoring and and, and there's there is sort of that wild west of push towards uh, you know tutoring online. Is there word teacherpreneurs or whatever it might be? How, how do you see the competition playing out? How to, how what, what do you think are sort of the trends that are going to happen uh, on the sort of the broader market?
0: Um, that's an interesting one. the 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 opportunity that I see is that. A lot of, a lot of the folks that were teaching for the Chinese online ESL schools. A lot of them were actually American, so for a long time, VIP Kid stipulated in their recruitment um, collateral and their recruiting uh, kind of documentation that you had to be an American teacher. So they relaxed that. I believe they relaxed that a little bit. That they started um, welcoming what they call native English teachers, so folks who are from Canada and the UK. Um, but for the longest time, you had to be American.
2: Um, one other thing I've noticed is that just being in the Facebook groups with um, thousands of these tutors, a lot of them had sort of rearranged their lives to, um, to adjust to this, this new opportunity. Like they um, maybe relocated or like I said, they gave up a different um, full-time job that they had or um, bought a new house that previously wouldn't have been accessible to them. And now that that's appearing to slip through their fingers, they're doing whatever they can to um, sort of recreate that in a way that would al- allow them to still have access to those things. So I'm seeing a lot of people who are certainly holding on as long as they can. So whether it's six months or nine months out, they want to they be tutoring until the last class finishes. Um, but I'm also seeing um, tutors try to make it work with other companies outside of China. so I know there's some in Russia and Eastern Europe and even some in the U S um, and that presents different challenges because part of what worked so well for these tutors is that they got to wake up really early and get this all, get all of their uh, teaching out of the way before their other jobs started or before their kids wake up or, or whatever the situation is. Um, and so with the time zones, it's a little bit more challenging, but I do think that there is a real, um, interest and demand to see this continue to work um, in some capacity, obviously a little bit altered.
0: Now, through the pandemic, um, a lot of the districts that we work with are have lost a lot of teachers. So a lot of U.S. school districts are finding it difficult right now to staff up across all subject areas, but particularly around um Around English as a second language and working with English language learners, so I think there's a great opportunity to kind of quote unquote bring a lot of these teachers home and um, bring them back into working with English language learners in districts in the U, in the U.S. And um, you know about 10% of K12 students in the U.S. right now are English language learners. So there's a huge demand now. A lot of these students have stuff have suffered um, you know disproportionately during the pandemic. So there's a great opportunity. To bring a lot of that that language acquisition capacity back stateside.
1: That's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, do feel free to drop us a rate and review wherever you listen in. Next week, I'm sitting down to chat with the mastermind of Cosmic Kids Yoga. On creating a well being sensation online for schools, young people, and parents. See you then!